0: Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Good evening, everybody. Glad you showed up. You glad to be here? All right, if you would, why don't you go ahead and turn your uh, Bibles. If you brought your Bibles or your tablets, why don't you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You can join me there, if you would, please, while you're finding that spot. I want to tell you a little bit about a, and, and just acknowledge we have a, a special guest here tonight with us. Pastor Dwayne. And Pastor Jeannie, are sitting front row, right here. Come on, come on, somebody. You, you appreciate those two? Amen. He just loves that. Uh, yeah, so we're in 1 Corinthians. Sorry, 2 Corinthians, chapter one. We're gonna start in uh, verse 18, and I'm gonna read this aloud to you now. You can join me there. Paul says this, "'As surely as God is faithful,' Our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy and I preach to you and as God ultimate yes, God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. How many of you know that God always does what he says and every time he says something he says a promise. Every time he spoke, He spoke promises into existence, and surely the promises of God are going to come to pass. You with me? All right. He goes on and says this, verse 20, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything that he has promised us. The title of my message tonight is Promises, Promises. I want to talk to you tonight about the promises of God and the importance of his promises. How many of you know that it's one thing to know what someone does? It's a whole new level of relationship when you know why they do what they do. You know, the the, the scriptures tell us that Israel knew the works of God, but Moses knew God's ways. I don't know about you, but I want to know what God does, but I also want to know why he does what he does. So that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. So if you join me in a brief moment of prayer, Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name for the moments that we share together. I thank you for this time, God. I just pray that it would be um, filled with just amazing truths, God, that are going to seep deep into us and, and take up. Uh, firm root and good soil tonight. God, I just uh, thank you for your presence among us. God, I pray that this wouldn't just be mere words that come out of my mouth, Lord, but uh, that everything that I say would be pleasing in your sight. God, that the meditations of my heart and that the words that I speak tonight would be pleasing to you and that you would bless it and that uh, it wouldn't just be information, God, but it would lead us to an encounter with you. Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, we all together said, Amen. amen. All right. How many of you know that God has specific plans, purposes, callings, destinies for every single one of you in this room tonight? Raise your hands if you believe that. Raise them high. Very good. John 16, 13, Jesus says this, and he gives a promise to his disciples, but it's a broader promise. It's not just for them. It's for anyone who would become his disciple. It says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, of course. He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will declare to you things that are to come. How many of you know the Holy Spirit wants to convict you of righteousness? He wants to talk to you about who you are in Christ, your identity, but he also wants to declare to you things that are to come a further destination that you may have to go in God. How many of you know that God wants you to have a destination point that you're going to get to, a promised land, if you will? And that's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit is going to declare to you things that are to come. So it was December, 1997. I was a senior in high school, East Kentwood, and I was sitting in Spanish class and I was being recruited to play college football at the time. So what would happen Back in the day, this is pre-nextel, this is pre-cell phone, pre-texting. Come on, somebody. You remember those old dinosaur nextel phones that first came out, the talk to text or whatever? I don't even know what it was, but I, I didn't have one. But it was before all that. So you know, back then, what would happen when I was getting recruited, a college coach, they would come onto the campus of the high school, they would come in, they'd have to walk into the office and say, I'm here to see Kurt Ames. And so the office assistant would grab a sticky note, they'd write on it, Kurt, there is some so-and-so coach from so-and-so school is here to see you, and I'm sitting in in Spanish class with a, a bunch of my buddies, and I had just turned down a scholarship to Fair State University. There's something you need to know about me. I thought that I was better than what I got recruited as. <laughs> uh, And and I didn't want to play Division II football, so Fair State comes in, offers me a full-ride scholarship, didn't have to pay for college, and I sent him home packing. said, no, thank you. If I have to, I'll walk on Division I, and I'm going to make the team there, and I'll just deal with it, okay? So I get a note, office assistant, comes into Spanish class, comes to my desk, puts the the note down. And the note read, head coach from Grand Valley State University, Brian Kelly, is here to see you. He's in the gymnasium locker room waiting for you. And so I took that sticky note, looked at it, I stood up, I looked at my buddies, and I said, I'll be back in 15 minutes, I'm going to go tell this guy to get lost, essentially is what I was going to do. And uh, so I made my way down to the gymnasium, walked through the hallway, I get into the locker room, and there stands head coach, who's now the head football coach for the University of Notre Dame. He's standing there and he is just dressed to the nines. So I'm talking, he's g up from the feet up. He's suited and booted, looking really, really good, really sharp. And uh, he says, sit down, young man. So I sit down and before I could even get any words out of my mouth, Brian starts telling me, young man, listen to me. You are going to be the best Quarterback that we've ever had at Grand Valley State University. Not only are you gonna be the best, you're gonna come in, and with you, we're gonna win a national championship, and you're gonna break all the records. You're gonna do this and that and this and that, and then maybe you have a shot at the NFL. But if you come under me, I can get you there. And I'm just sitting there going, Who is this guy telling me all the desires of my heart? And I was thinking to myself, I was thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, somebody else sees something in me that I see in myself. And my response was actually faith, if that makes sense. Do you you know what I'm saying? And so he, he starts declaring all of these things and he starts promising all of these things to me. And I'm just, it was like rocket fuel to my soul. I was just thinking, man, this guy's amazing. I could see myself playing for that guy. All of the sudden, I went from being, you know, going in there to tell him, get lost, to how do I, where do I sign up? How do I? How do, I, how do I get out to Grand Valley? Where do, I don't even know where you guys are. You know, and, and so we leave, the, uh, we, we leave that meeting. I end up going out there two days later on campus and we sealed the deal and I, I, I signed a letter of intent to play for Grand Valley State University. And here's the cool thing is that everything that he declared over me in that locker room that day, everything that he said came to pass. It happened. Now, there was a process in between those promises that he gave me to when those things actually came to pass. There was a whole lot of hard work. I had to come underneath his tutelage. I had to listen to the head coach. He was giving me plays. We had to carry out certain things and there was discouraging moments. There were discouraging times. There were at times when I wanted to quit, I wanted to give in, but I stayed the course and through faith and patience and some perseverance, we ended up winning the first national championship in the history of Grand Valley State University. Not only that, but I ended up winning the Division II Heisman Trophy, which he told me he thought that I could could win it. I ended up winning it. Everything that he said came to pass. And I'm telling you right now, show me someone with no faith and no hope, and I'll show you somebody without a promise. Here's what Hebrews says, and this, this leads me to my first point. God's promises are foundational to our faith. Hebrews 11, 1, it's a very familiar passage for most of us, it says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things that are not seen. See, when my head coach, are you guys getting the analogy, head coach, analogy here? When my head coach gave me those promises, something happened inside me, and I said, yes, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, placed my hope in it. And those things did end up coming to pass. You go a little bit further down in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, it says this, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he, this is the promise, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If faith is the substance of things that we're hoping for, how do you get what you're hoping for? You're going to need to get a promise from God. Why? Because when God makes a promise, surely it will come to pass. It will surely happen. And you can put your faith and you can put your bottom dollar on that because God's promises are as good as gold. Come on, somebody. Get a promise from God and scripture is absolutely full of them. By the way, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, from the first moment when when God spoke, let there be to the end of Revelation where he says, I'm coming soon. Promise after promise after promise in scripture. Go find them. Second point is this tonight. God's promises lead us and they point us in the right direction. God's promises are a compass. They are not a roadmap. They're They're a compass, not a roadmap. Here's an easy one and and here's a scripture that hopefully the majority of us know and if you don't, that's okay too. John 3, 16, it's probably the most well-known Bible verse in all of scripture. Let's all read this one aloud and I want you to see it a little bit differently because this might be an easy one for you but maybe you've never looked at it this way. Let's all read this aloud together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him Shall not perish, but have eternal life. Engage your brain for a moment. What's what's the promise of that scripture? Eternal life. Okay, that's the promise. What does the promise point us to? The son of God. It points us to put our faith, our trust, and our hope in the promised one, Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, there's some more. Here's a couple other promises that Jesus gives us that point us in a specific direction. Luke chapter six. Matter of fact, Pastor Scott just mentioned it during his tithing message. Listen to this, but love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. By the way, anybody belong to that bank? (laughs) Tell me if, you know, come see me after service. Then your reward will be great... And you will be children of the most high. Your reward for loving your enemies and lending to them is that you will be true sons and daughters of God. And that promise leads us into the direction of loving our enemies and giving to our enemies. And it goes on, it says, because he's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your father in heaven is also merciful. Verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. God's promise here points us in the direction of becoming less judgmental towards others. Are you tracking? You with me? Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. The promise here is that if we are generous, and we are supposed to be the most generous people on planet earth, come on. If you will just be generous, the promise is this you will be given something back. And then he goes on and says, A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. How many of you are, are happy that you gave into that offering bucket tonight? Come on, somebody, you got something coming back. But that promise should lead us into the direction of becoming extremely generous, which by the way is the very nature and character of the God that we serve. So God's promises point us in the right direction. If you're here tonight and you wanna say, you know what Pastor Kurt, that's great, but you know what, I get my direction on a moment to moment basis by the Holy Spirit. I would tell you well done, that's very good. But I would also say something else because Galatians five does tell us that we are to keep in step with the spirit Go read Galatians five. It's a great chapter on on the freedom in Christ and it talks about keeping in step with the spirit. But God, as I said earlier, God also wants to have a a destination that is further out for you that you can go through. Because listen, the, the scriptures also said this, the children of Israel wandered for 40 years even though they were guided through the wilderness. That was an 11, it was supposed to be an 11 day trip that took 40 years. And it says that they were wandering You know, my wife and I actually just got our dream vehicle. I've been praying for this one. You know, the ask, seek, and knock scripture. (laughs) I've been going after this vehicle for a long time. It's a 2014 Dodge Grand Caravan. (laughs) Why, Lord? Why? I wanted a 67 Chevelle, you know, it's like, and then I get a minivan and I'll tell you what, it's probably the most functional vehicle that we've ever had, but I hate driving. I hate being seen in it and my kids love it. It's just not me, I'm a man's man. You know what I'm saying? And so I try to do my best to let my wife just have that thing all the time and I stay clear of it. And uh, But in this van, there's something interesting. It's got one of those touch screen navigations. And when you touch the navigation screen, another screen pops up that says, enter in your destination. You start entering in a destination, some numbers, and then a street and it pops up almost immediately and you can hit on those, uh, on that deal. And then all of a sudden, it tells you exactly what turn to take, what turnpike to take, what off ramp. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You got GPS, right? Those things have lying spirits. They were manufactured in hell. Have, I, have you guys noticed that before? They don't ever get to you to where you actually need to go. But this one in the van and this one in the van is the worst too because it actually shows the vehicle on the road, traveling down the road and it's an actual minivan (laughs) on the road it's so bad it's so stupid so so but you touch it in but here's here's another thing though i can hit the navigation button not touch not even enter in a final destination point and that will still show us where we're at on the map and it will show me when i can turn if i can turn here if i can't turn there if it's you know if there's traffic ahead but without a further destination we're just wandering does that make sense god wants to speak to you about things to come a further destination point and he wants to guide you there amen all right point number 3 god's promises demonstrate his faithfulness god's promises demonstrate his faithfulness God absolutely loves making promises ahead of time so that when it does happen, when it does come to pass, you will know that it's him and no other. Not luck, not Buddha, not Krishna, not, not, not Muhammad, not anyone else, but that when he says it and it comes to pass, you will point to the one who gave the promise and helped bring you into the promised land so that you will give him glory and no one else. Now. This is, this is good stuff. Jesus talks about this in John 13, verse 19. He says, I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Goes on, another, another scripture, John chapter two, verse 19. Jesus answers, he's dueling with the Pharisees, which he kind of liked to do. He answers, says to them, destroy this temple and in three days, I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had spoken. The word was a promise, and they believed it. Jesus says, when it comes to pass, I want you to believe that I am who I am. God's promises never return to Him void. But there's an underlying element that I believe God wants us to catch within this. That when God gives you a promise and you do get to your promised land, whatever your destiny, whatever your purpose, plan, and calling is for your life, that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, whenever you get there, I believe that it's a loud proclamation of God saying, I love you. Told you this was gonna happen. And I believe that he wants us to end up drawing into a further, deeper communion and fellowship with him through it. Does that make sense? Because it's not us that gets ourselves there. We all know that. It's only him. May God get all the glory. Jesus Christ get the glory forever and ever throughout all generations. It's not not about us. It's all about him. And he's saying, I love you so much, son, daughter, and he's trying to draw us into a deeper communion and relationship with him. So Christmas time. How many of y'all like Christmas time? Wow, that was sad. <laughs> okay, well, for my wife and I, we love Christmas time. Christmas is special to us because it's Jesus's birthday, people. <laughs> and only three people raise their hands. So <laughs> you all need Jesus real bad tonight. Jesus, Sorry. And uh, my wife and I, it's real, real special for us, not only because of that, we enjoy the holiday season because our oldest son was born December 23rd, uh, 2006, and we were able to bring our first child home on Christmas Day. So it has a you know, special meaning for us in a couple different, uh, for a couple different reasons. And so this past Christmas, my wife was carrying our third child, who's now five months old, and uh, we were all sitting around, and I was talking to my wife about Christmas season, and, and we were discussing back and forth whether or not we wanted to continue to do the Santa thing. You know, because our son was seven, our daughter's six, and there's gonna come a time when, you know, somebody from school's gonna drop the bomb. And I'd rather it come from us kind of a, you know, so we're having the discussion. It really wasn't a long discussion, really didn't go anywhere. So one night, we're sitting in the living room, we're on the couch, and it was my wife, myself, uh, Brendan, our our oldest son, and Riley, we're all sitting there. And uh, here's what my son says to me. He says to me, Dad, and it was real close to Christmas time. Dad, what if on Christmas night, I wake up in the middle of the night, And I walk downstairs and I come into the living room and I see Santa standing there eating the cookies and putting my Christmas presents under the Christmas tree. And I looked at him and I said, son, what if on Christmas night you get up in the middle of the night, you come downstairs and you come into the living room and you see me eating Santa's cookies and putting your presents underneath the Christmas tree? What do you think about that? And he says, well, that would never happen because you'd still be sleeping. I said, valid point, son, valid point. <laughs> but the point is, and I said, well, what are the chances? And my son, you know, you, you're, you're good parents, right? And, and, and you listen to your children's desires all year long. What do they want for Christmas? And my son would not shut up about getting an Xbox 360. I already had the Nintendo Wii, but one of the 360, you know, upgrades, Right. Worldliness, Yeah, and so we're, we're, we're listening and, and we're good parents. So I said, well, what do you think the chances are that Santa is going to get you that Xbox 360 that you so want? And he says, oh, dad, Santa's gonna get it to me for sure. Santa loves me and he, he's been listening to me and I've been a good boy this year. Oh yeah, he's getting me that Xbox 360. You know what happened inside of me? My, I'm sitting there listening to my son giving Santa all of the credit that my wife and I should be giving, and I got jealous. I got jealous, and then I imagined, I pictured in my mind, I pictured in my mind, I, here's what I, I pictured waking up another Christmas morning coming down the stairs with the people that I love most on planet Earth, coming around the Christmas tree and watching my my children rip open the presents, opening them up and just screaming, Santa did it again. Dad, Santa got me that Xbox. Dad, look, Santa, Santa, Santa. And I couldn't fathom spending one more Christmas like that. You wanna know why? Because I bought those things. And so did my wife. Listen, those things were not... A loud proclamation of Santa's goodness, faithfulness, and love for my children. Those are loud proclamations of my love for my children and my faithfulness for my children. And if God is a more jealous father than I am, which I know he is, and he will share his glory with no other than I have no, I do not want to share my glory with Santa anymore. Come on, somebody. So I'm done with the Santa thing. So I end up, so here's, yeah, yeah, it's good. You can clap. Hopefully there's no children under seven here. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You know what, though? So, to conclude the story. We did tell my, my son. We decided to, because I was so ticked off about it, I, I, we decided to tell my son. And so he's seven at the time, and we sat him down, and we spilled the beans that Santa's a frog, okay? We, we told him, and he took it extremely well. Matter of fact, he took it so well that he proceeded to go tell every second grader he could find in Byron Center completely devastating the lives and the hearts of young people all over our community. So that was awesome. Yeah, fun. Number four, we're gonna end with this point. God's promises, this is a big one. God's promises are weapons that strengthen us during difficult times. God's promises are weapons that strengthen us during difficult times. How many of you know that hard times come for those that follow Jesus and those that don't? Getting born again does not eliminate your problems. Sometimes it can get worse. And when those hard and difficult seasons come, you and I need to be able to stand on the promises that we have from God over our lives and we are actually charged and we're exhorted by scripture to utilize the promises of God as a weapon in the war against discouragement, in the war against the enemy, the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms, and difficult seasons of life. Paul says this to his spiritual son Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies. What's a prophecy? A prophecy is simply something that God has declared. To his people, it's it's a promise. Is exactly what a prophecy is. It is a promise from God. You could say it this way: I'm giving you this command in keeping with the promises once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. How many of you know that you're in a fight? The Christian life. I learned this from Pastor Dwayne, probably seven years ago when I started coming here. Fight the good fight of faith. Christian life is a fight. It is a fight. And Paul is telling Timothy, use those promises, those prophecies over your life to wage the good warfare. The devil is absolutely unoriginal, and he uses the same tactics on all of us. And one of, the, one of his greatest tactics is to get us into a place where we're, dis, where we're discouraged. When we become discouraged, it's really, really difficult for us to operate in faith. And we remember now, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. So if he can get us in that place in a season of discouragement, we can become faithless, if you will. And we're we're not gonna operate in faith. But Paul says, I've got something for you. I've got a weapon that you can use in those seasons when you're discouraged. Use those promises that God has given you over your life. Meditate upon them. Recall them. Use them to, to just get that rocket fuel back in your soul where you can strengthen yourself in the Lord. Now, it's amazing when you actually can get the right weapon in the right hand in the fight because the out, the outcome of that fight can change real quick. My daughter Riley, 7 years old now. Beautiful little girl. She is a dog lover. And we have a lot of dogs in our neighborhood. We moved into the neighborhood we currently stay about three and a half years ago. And there's a ton of dogs around. There's a ton of kids around, which is one of the reasons why we, we decided to move into that neighborhood. So there's a lot of people walking their dogs consistently around the sidewalks of our neighborhood. And every time we're outside, somebody's walking their dog. And so what happens is when they come by our house and we're outside, my daughter's first inclination and first instinct is to just run up to that puppy. She'll scream puppy, you know, and she runs up to this dog and she just wants to grab the dog. She wants to pet the dog, just love the dog. So what happened a couple of years ago is the neighbors directly behind us, who we absolutely love and adore, they decided to get a dog. What kind of dog did they get? They got a boxer and that immediately, you know, sent mama bear's senses and walls of defense up. And she was pretty, she was pretty, uh, she was nervous about this boxer dog, and it was a big boxer dog, and it looks mean, you know, and it kind of growls at kids and stuff. But I said, ah, will give it some time. We'll see what happens. Well, sure enough, one day I'm, I'm down on our patio, and my wife is with the kids, and she's up, and, and this is kind of how our neighborhood works. We're, we're kind of down lower, and then the people directly behind us, there's a hill that leads up, and the houses kind of sit on a hill. Okay, and so when you walk through our backyard, you gotta go up this hill and they're directly right here in between two of our neighbors' homes. And Oakley, the dog, the boxer, is outside. And so uh, the, the kids are trying to feed the dog, apparently. My wife was there and so some of the kids feed the dog. Well, it was my daughter's turn to feed the dog and her worst nightmare happened. That dog bit my daughter, punctured some skin, and so she comes running back, you know, and she is upset. You know, don't you love when Mama Bear comes out a little bit sometimes, men? You know, even though we don't want it to, it's kinda it's kinda hot, you know. <laughs> At least it was for me, you know, like, ooh, I like that girl. You go, you go, girl. And so she brings she brings her back and 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 so my son gets real scared. And he says, Dad, Dad, that dog is mean. I don't ever want to go up there. And his best friend lives right behind us at the house right next to where Oakley stays. And I looked at my son. I said, son, you listen to me. If I'm outside and you're outside and that dog comes outside and tries to do anything to you, all you gotta do is scream out for me and I'm gonna come there and I'm gonna make sure that that dog doesn't do anything to you. That dog will never touch you as long as I'm around. Do you hear me? I gave him a promise. You tracking? He says, okay, dad. Sounds good. Just a couple weeks later, sure enough, the kids are outside. My son's outside with his buddies. They're over at uh, uh, the house right next door to where Oakley stays. And, And there's about six of them. And I'm down on our patio and I'm reading a book. And all of a sudden I hear, and see what Oakley does is this dog comes out. And it, it really uh, goes after and attacks and is not afraid of children. So it goes after the children. So it's coming, it's coming in between the houses kind of down the hill a little bit. And the kids were right on the hill. And I look up and I hear it. I look up and the kids are doing this. They're backing down, you know, and Oakley's just coming at them, You know, just about to attack. I hear it. I get up. My son's screaming, dad, dad. I get up. And I hobble over there because I can't run anymore, you know, and I, I, I got a bad knee. So I, I'm running over there and I get up and I, I, as soon as that dog sees me, I make eye contact with that dog. I'm about 15 yards away from it or so. I make eye contact with that dog. I say, Oakley, you better get out of And that dog went like this, ran, got out of Dodge. And I'm telling you right now, I gave my son a promise. He called on my name. I came into the situation and that dog left. That's exactly what happens when the promises of God over your life, you recall them. You go to war with those things. You speak them out loud and guess what happens? God, the promise giver, the promise maker comes into your situation and he fights on your behalf. Do you hear me? Check this scripture out. Last scripture of the night, Deuteronomy one thirty: The Lord, your God, who is going before you, will fight for you. Is that a good word? The Lord, the promise giver, the promise maker, is going before you, and he fights battles for you. Would you all bow your heads with me tonight? I just want you to ask a simple question. Just ask God this. God, what are you saying to me right now? What are you speaking to me? And Holy Spirit, would you speak to me anything that you want in this moment? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And we never, ever, ever want to leave a service without offering that to people that may want to enter into that relationship. And you might be here tonight and you do not know where your eternal destiny is going to lead you. It might be hanging in the balance. And you have never made a decision to follow Jesus The promise from scripture is that if you put your faith in the son of God, you will receive eternal life. Don't you dare give the devil one more day of your life. If you're here and you need to make that decision, you make that decision tonight. Scripture also says that you are faithful to to tell God your sins. He's gonna be faithful and just to forgive you of those sins. And he's going to purify you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Another promise from Scripture for you tonight. And if you're here and you want to make that decision, I want to ask you to be bold for Jesus Christ tonight and just gently slip your hands high in the air right now. Thank you. Is there anyone else? If there's anybody in here that wants to receive a promise from the Lord, you just want to hear from the Holy Spirit, real, real bad. Would you be bold enough to slip your hands up in the air? Amen. Would you guys repeat this prayer after me? For those that just raised their hand for salvation, just say, "God, I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. Jesus, I declare you to be my Savior." Tonight, Holy Spirit, empower me to live life in your kingdom. God, I'm never gonna turn back. I'm gonna live for you every single day. You are my king, my Lord, my savior, and my friend. Father God, I just pray specifically to you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak all those who raised their hand tonight that desperately need to hear from You. Thank You for promising us in Scripture that You will speak to us about things that are to come. We thank You for that, Lord. We thank You for Your goodness and Your kindness. In Jesus' mighty name, we all together said, Amen. Amen. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life, or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.